Very good. Well, have your words gotten you into trouble? I won't ask you to put your hand up because everybody would probably respond in the affirmative to that. Now, all, we've often stick our foot in the middle of it. I, I particularly have foot in mouth disease. I often uh, jump in and say things and my words get me into a lot of trouble. Maybe uh, it's because our words that we say turn out to be untrue or, or they cause offense or they're just misdirected. Now, we've all done that, right? We've all had our words get us into trouble. Now, I just want to share a few words, a few statements that have gotten us into trouble as a family. Uh, and I won't tell you who has said them, because that, be, uh, that might cause some troubles with my wife. Uh, but we have used these words, and they've subsequently got us into trouble. Maybe you can identify with them. Some words, I am going to remember to pick the kids up from school today. That's gotten us into trouble. I am fine to go on that spinny roundy ride after eating that chicken schnitzel. That was me. If you don't know the story, I'm not going to tell it right now. Oh, I am definitely not the one driving the car in that beautiful photo that was sent to us in the mail this week. That one's been said multiple times. I won't tell you by whom. But these words that Lauren and I say, they get us into trouble because they have proven to be untrue. Today, we're starting a new preaching series looking at some of Jesus' words, which got him into trouble. But Jesus' statements didn't get him into trouble because they were untrue. Quite the opposite. They were true. They revealed that Jesus was, very, was the very truth and life of life. They gave people hope. They communicated God's truth. And yet, because they challenged the authority of the religious leaders of the day, these statements that Jesus made got him into a lot of trouble. And through the book of John, Jesus says seven I am statements. And each time he says I am, he accompanies it with a, with a metaphor. And statements like I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. These two words, I am, they were trigger words for the people of Israel. They, they, they were, these words came with a lot of meaning. See, when God's people were enslaved in Egypt, he told them that he was going to bring them into freedom. And he ended up uh, revealing uh, his truth, revealing his light to Moses. He said, oh, I'm going to call Moses out. I'm going to get Moses to lead my people out of slavery. You probably know the story. This burning bush was lit up. It, it, wouldn't, it, it was lit in flame, but it wouldn't burn. And, uh, and God appears to Moses in that moment, in this flame of light. But Moses is a little hesitant. Moses didn't really want to take up the, uh, the calling that God had put in his life. And so he came up with all these excuses. He said, oh, I'm not, I'm not a good enough speaker. They're not going to listen to me. And then finally, as God dismantles excuse after excuse, Moses says, well, who is it that I should tell them is sending me? What sort of testimony can I share with them? Who is it who is sending me? And then God responds to Moses. He says this. He says, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am. Two words that hold so much meaning for the Israelite people. I am. And so when Jesus uses these words, I am, He's telling them more than just a little bit of his identity. He's telling them that he is divine. He's telling them that he is the Messiah. He's revealing to them that he is, in fact, the very Son of God. And that got him into trouble. Now, I'm really excited to launch into this series today with the first statement we're looking at over the next few weeks, which is Jesus' statement, I am the light of the world. Light is a huge theme throughout Scripture. In the second verse of, uh, of the Bible, uh, actually the third verse, I should say, uh, light appears. The Bible says, Genesis says, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. 
Now, now, Bible scholars suggest that as God speaks this into existence, the way he does it here in Genesis actually indicates that he is the source of light. In him, in God, there is no darkness to be found. And then throughout the scriptures, light is a powerful theme and metaphor. Light is a symbol of holiness. It's a symbol of goodness and wisdom. It's a symbol of love and grace and truth and salvation. Light is what surrounds people in the Old Testament when God shows up to someone. Light is what falls at the psalmist's path as God speaks his words. Light is what blinds Paul, but light is also what brings Paul healing. Light is also where the Bible ends, where God himself will be the light of the world. Revelation tells us that in the new heaven and the new earth, there'll be no need for a sun because the glory of God will provide all the light that is needed. Light is powerful. It's a good thing throughout Scripture. On the other hand, darkness in Scripture, darkness is associated with evil and sin and despair. The devil hides in the shadows of darkness. We see throughout Scripture, darkness used as this metaphor for pain, for sin, for a lack of hope. The enemy loves the darkness. We saw that on Friday night at the Gabba when the demons flourished in the darkness. It's a little bit of a joke for your AFL fans out there. Go Lions. But the Bible talks about sins being committed in the dark. John goes to great lengths to point out that when Satan entered Judas and Judas betrayed Jesus, that as soon as that happened, Judas left to go and hand Jesus over to the authorities. John points out that Judas left, Judas left that meeting and it was dark outside because sin happens in the dark. And we use this in society as well. We know that dark is not good. We don't want to walk down a dark alley. You know, the, the, the dark web is a place where criminal activity happens. And we feel much safer being inside than outside on a dark night. Yet in John chapter 8, Jesus declares that he is the light of the world. And when we hear this, it, it makes sense. You know, Jesus representing the light, the life, the love of God has entered into our dark, depraved world. But for Jesus' original listeners, this statement is even more provocative. See, John tells us that Jesus makes this statement during the Feast of Tabernacles, or right around the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles was an annual celebration. It was a huge party for the people of Israel. It was one of three festivals where the Jewish men each year were encouraged to pilgrimage to the holy city of Jerusalem, to come and bring their offerings and their celebration, their rejoicing before God in the temple. And there were two focuses for the Feast of Tabernacles. Firstly, it was a time when the people celebrated and thanked God for the harvest. They would bring their, their first fruits of the harvest as an offering to God. But the Feast of Tabernacles was also a time when the Jewish people would remember the Exodus. They would actually uh, go and live in these booths, these kind of tents. They would uh, go and on the roofs of their houses, construct these tents, and for the whole week of this festival, they would live in these tents, reminding them of the nomadic existence that they had as they wandered through the desert. I'm sure the Israelite kids loved it. It's kind of like camping in your backyard. And on this festival, they, they would celebrate in some very interesting ways, very symbolic ways. You heard that, uh, that last couple of weeks ago, Jason mentioned that the priest would go and pour water out on the altar each day to, to remind them of, of how Moses struck the rock and water came out of the rock. Because it was all about remembering what God had done on that Exodus journey. It was about remembering how God guided them through, pillar, through a pillar of light and a pillar of cloud. Listen to what it says in, in Exodus. This is uh, the, the, the people remember what happened in Exodus. It says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. And neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. 
So here they are celebrating, remembering the fact that God guided them by this pillar of light through 40 years in the wilderness. And the last and greatest night of the festival was the last night. On that particular night, the, uh, the priests would light these gigantic menorahs, big candles. These candles were 23 meters high. They'd stretch from the bottom of the ground here all the way to the roof. And they would light them in the temple courts. And the temple courts had these uh, windows uh, constructed in them, or not glass windows, but cutting in the, uh, in the temple walls themselves to broadcast this light to the world. See, most windows, when you, when you create them, you kind of keep them wide and they narrow uh, the light in and they, they broadcast the light inside. Uh, but the temple that, uh, that Solomon had made, it tells us in Kings that Solomon also made narrow recesses, recessed windows throughout the temple. And the way that these windows were constructed is that the light would be inside and these windows would broadcast the light outside. And so on the very last night of this festival, the priests light these ginormous menorahs, these huge candles. In the middle of the courts, the windows would have meant that the light was irradiated around the rest of the temple courts. And because the temple was on the top of the hill in the city of Jerusalem, the light would have been seen in the city around. And there was enough fuel in these candles to last the entire night. So in a world without electricity, a world that kind of goes to sleep when the sun goes down, the light was on the entire night. It enabled people to celebrate, to rejoice, to party. It was a fantastic celebration until the next morning when all the fuel had run out of those candles, when they'd all been snuffed out. There would have been smoke arising from the wicks. And John tells us that Jesus at dawn is in the temple the very next day. As there's relative darkness compared to what's happened over the last 24 hours, Jesus stands up and he says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Just as the Israelites had walked in the light during their exodus, just as they'd followed God with that pillar of light ahead of them, now Jesus is saying, I am the one who will guide you into all light. If you follow me, you will never walk in darkness. It's just that, that picture, do you get the significance of this statement? It's an incredibly provocative statement. No wonder it got Jesus into trouble. He's saying, I am the light of the world. You know that party you had last night? You know how we lit up the temple? We lit up the city? Well, I am that light. Jesus is claiming right here to be the Messiah to be divine. He has the power to cast out sin. He is the light of the world. He is the human representation of all that is this metaphor of God's light. He is God's grace. He's God's truth, his love, and his salvation. In the midst of this festival, celebrating God's light, guiding them through the wilderness with the recognition of all that light stands for in their history, and the reality that God himself is light, Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. And that's powerful, right? Just imagine being there, that, that, that word picture, that it just blows your mind. It's incredible, Jesus' statement, saying, I am the light of the world. There's some powerful truth right there. We could finish the sermon here, we could all sing a song, we could go home, done. But there's a little bit more. I actually think that God's got something more for us today, something even more challenging for us in this day and age. See, in John, as we've just read, Jesus declares himself to be the light of the world. But in Jesus' most significant sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually flips the script, and he tells his followers this. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
Jesus says you are the light of the world. If you trust Jesus, if you follow Jesus, if he lives in you, you bring light into this world. Your mission is to shine the light of Christ, to broadcast Jesus' love, to bring all those qualities that we heard about earlier out into the world. See, Jesus knew how all of this would play out. He knew that his words would get him into trouble. He knew that he would be betrayed, he would be turned over to the religious leaders and the Roman rulers. Jesus knew that he would be beaten and flogged, that he would be mocked and cursed, that he would be hung on a cross to die. The most cruel and, and, uh, and cursed and brutal way that anybody could be killed in the Roman times. And Jesus knew that as he progressed towards the cross, he was doing this to take on the sins of the world. Jesus knew that eventually his light would be extinguished. Jesus knew that for a moment at least, darkness would rule over land, that evil looked like it had won. But Jesus also knew that that, that would be a false victory. It would only be temporary. Jesus knew that he would overcome sin and death. He knew that after he would defeat Satan, he would be raised to life, defeating the grave in itself. And then risen and triumphant, Jesus knew that he would give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who followed him, both then and forevermore. Jesus knew that his followers would become the light of the world. Jesus knew that the church would extend around the globe, shining the light of Jesus into every dark nook and cranny. And the Holy Spirit still love, lives within us today. That the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, it lives in us. And so we are the light of the world. We are the carriers of Christ's love and hope and truth in our world today. See, it's no longer the temple that shines brightly once a year with the light in it and those windows broadcasting the light to the world. No, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shines brightly within us and broadcasts that light through our lives into the rest of the world. You and I, we are the ones who are called to be the light of the world. The Apostle Paul says to the church at Ephesus, he says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, or children of light. Live as children of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. See, with the light of Jesus within us, we are to shine brightly in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our community where to live as children of the light, where to shine God's love and his truth and his wisdom and his revelation. As Jesus says himself in Matthew chapter five, he said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When we let our light shine, when we let our good deeds show, it will point people towards God. But sadly, in our lives, we often live in the shadows, and the light that shines loses its impact. Last week, I was out for a, a morning run. It was pretty early in the morning that the sun was rising up uh, behind the trees, and I'm running along the bushland near our home. And as I'm running, I'm, I'm realizing that I'm running in the sunlight, and then when I run alongside the trees, I'm running in the shadows. And I find myself running in the sunlight and then running in the shadows, running in the sunlight and running in the shadows as these trees block out the sun. Now, these trees are, are in place and they're casting shadows onto my path. And as I'm running, I felt God speak to me and say, hey, it's exactly the same with you. It's exactly the same with you. See, the Holy Spirit lives within us. We're called to shine brightly. We're called to be the light of the world and let our good deeds, our actions, and our attitudes 
shine before all people. We're meant to be like that picture of the temple, shining through the windows and out into our world. But I reckon we can fall into a trap, a trap of blocking out that light shining from within us. And instead of allowing that light to shine brightly, we allow things in our lives to cast a shadow. And they diminish the impact and the effect of that light. We can let all sorts of things become blockages of the light in our life. One of those things is judgment. We can allow judgment of others to block the light of Christ into the lives of those around us. I came across some research this week that, uh, from the Barna Group, and they went and asked a whole bunch of non-Christians, our friends and our neighbors, they said, what, uh, what, you, what are you looking for? If you're gonna have a spiritual conversation with someone, what are you looking for? The number one response across all of these respondents, in reflection of the question, what are you looking for in someone to have a spiritual conversation with them? The number one response is someone who will listen without passing judgment. Someone who's just gonna listen to me. Someone who's just gonna hear me and not pass judgment on me. I reckon we are so quick to judge people. And when we judge others, we block the light of Christ within us. They just want people to listen. They want people to open up with their ears just to listen. I reckon judgment is one of the significant things that stops us or stops the light from shining in our lives. Something else that stops the light from shining through our lives is selfishness. This one comes in many forms and in many, uh, many ways. But when we're selfish, when we live for ourselves, when we fail to put others before us, we block the light. When we don't give people time, when we focus on our own needs instead of others, that the light of Christ that shines within us, it becomes diminished because we are blocking Christ's love, creating shadows in our lives. A third thing that blocks the light of Christ in our lives, it's not a biblical word, but stinginess. Stinginess. You know, when we fail to be generous to people, that blocks the light of Christ from coming through the windows of our lives. Whether that's being stingy with our gifts and our talents or our finances or our welcome and hospitality, even our time, when we're stingy with those things, when we hold back from being generous, we block the light that is shining through us. I reckon right now in our economic climate, right at present, one of the most significant ways that we can shine the light of Christ in our world is to continue to be generous. Continue to be generous with our finances, with our time, with our hospitality. Because when we fail to be generous, when we're stingy, we're blocking Christ's love. Probably most significantly, I think one of the biggest things that we wrestle with that blocks Christ's love in our life, uh, light in our life, I should say, is fear. In our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our community groups, even in our families, we're afraid to stand up for what we believe in. We're afraid to, to, to make a stand. You know, I think fear is one of the biggest culprits of blocking the light that is within us. Maybe you hesitate to identify as a Christian outside this building because you're fearful of what people might think. You fail to stand up in your workplace because you're worried that you won't fit in. You don't want to rock the boat. You just want to go along with what everyone else is doing. The fear of man is such a blockage in sharing the light of Christ in our world. And there's plenty of more. We could go on and on. But I wonder this morning, what's yours? What's the thing that blocks Christ's light in your life? Maybe it's envy or greed. Maybe it's legalism or even laziness. Whatever it is, what is it that blocks 
Christ's light from shining through you and into the lives of others. Because you can see what impact it has. The light doesn't get broadcast at all through our lives. Our testimony becomes weak. The light has, not any, has less impact and effect. But in this example, what happens to the light? The light keeps shining. Christ's light, Christ's love, it doesn't change. The things that we put up as blockages, they're the things that create the shadows. Suddenly, the light has lost its reach and its impact in the world, not because the light has changed, but because we're blocking it. We're not being carriers of the light that Paul encourages us to be. So today, I want us to reflect on Jesus' words and Paul's words. Paul saying, let your light shine before others. Live as children of the light. Jesus saying, let your good deeds shine before others. Because I believe God is preparing us for a season of sharing his light brightly. I believe God is calling us into a season of sharing his light boldly with others. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has been getting us ready. So over the last seven weeks, as we've been praying, come Holy Spirit. I truly believe that the Holy Spirit has been strengthening our faith. He's been building our trust in Him. He's been, uh, he's been getting us ready. He's been growing boldness within us. We've had many incredible encounters with the Holy Spirit over the last month or so. Uh, there were so many of us here last Sunday night for our unified prayer night. It was an incredibly significant time as we cried out to God to see Him move in power. The memories of that night will stay with me for a long time. But it's not just last Sunday night where, we see, where we've seen God move. I want to share some stories this morning of what we've been hearing and how we've seen God move over the last few weeks. And we've seen God do some incredible healings. I've heard some amazing stories. God has healed people of heart conditions. One of the men in our church family had uh, something called atrial fibrillation. Ben would know exactly what that's all about, but it's a heart condition that causes your heart to, to beat out of rhythm, and, and this gentleman also had really high blood pressure. Throughout the last month, we've been praying for this gentleman and praying for their condition, and when they went back to their doctor just last week, the doctor was amazed. The heart rate had dropped, and the heartbeat was more regular. God was moving, God is moving in that man's life. Someone else had a blood condition where a couple of months ago, a doctor put them on some medication, and in our season of prayer and fasting, this person was prayed for. And when they went back to the doctor, their levels, whatever level it was, I'm not a doctor, I don't really know, but their, their levels had dropped from a really high 16 to an almost healthy 8. And the doctor said, what on earth are you doing? And there's no way that those medications could bring that amount of drop in that particular level. And this guy just replied, well, it's God. God's working in my life. There's other stories of, of back pain being removed in Jesus' name. I've heard of at least two people who have had blockages in their ears removed. God is moving in our church family. And over the course of the last eight weeks, we've had 30 people stand in that baptistry and declare that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. We've got another couple tonight jumping in the baptistry, and, uh, and we've got a few lined up even for Easter Sunday. I want to encourage you, if you've not yet been baptized, Easter Sunday would be a fantastic day to get baptized. Just uh, fill in a, the form through the QR code. Let us know. We'd love to help you take that step on Easter Sunday. But elsewhere, God has been starting new things in people's lives, giving them new hope, bringing freedom, and giving visions for the future. I want to ask you across this room and in the chat online, if you've seen God move in the last eight weeks in your life, can we just give God a round of applause? If you've seen God move in your life, shout out on the chat as well. You know, God is moving. And I believe He's doing that to give us a, a stronger faith, to give us a, a bolder confidence that He is real and He is good and He wants to move in the lives of others. He's stoking our faith. He's growing our belief. And he's building confidence within us because he wants us to be a light 
to the world. Whenever the early church saw the Holy Spirit move, they were filled with a boldness to share the gospel. And I believe that God is doing a similar thing within us. We're seeing the Holy Spirit move, and He's giving us a boldness to share the good news of Jesus. And He's readying as well the soil of the people in our community. He's creating a spiritual openness in the hearts of those in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our community groups. These people are asking spiritual questions. There are many people looking for answers because the secular narrative is not giving any answers to the questions that they are asking. A few weeks ago, here in our Sunday night, we had a couple of young adults come to church. They got some church background, but hadn't stepped through the doors of a church in a long, long, long time. And that night, as the gospel was shared, they responded and put their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The following Sunday night, they, they couldn't hold that news to themselves. They couldn't just hold that good news just within themselves. So they invited three other people to come to church with them. There were five young adults standing, sitting in the, in, the, in the pews here. And after that service, they all came down and, and received prayer. And that brings us to last Sunday, our unified prayer night. And they brought more people. More people say, hey, come and hear what God is doing. Come and see how God is moving. The Holy Spirit is doing a great thing amongst our community, a great thing amongst our young adults. The reality is there are people in your workplace, there are people in your street, there are people in your family who desperately want to hear the gospel. Research, an Australian research by a company called McCrindle, suggests that one in three people, when asked to come along to church by a family member or a friend, will say yes. One in three, that's 30%, will say yes. And we've got an incredible opportunity in the next couple of weeks. I want to encourage you to pick up not just one of these uh, invitations. We've got stacks. Why don't you take three? Why don't you test that research out? Go and invite three people to our Easter services in a couple of weeks' time. Easter Sunday is the greatest day on the Christian calendar. It's going to be a massive celebration of Jesus' resurrection. I reckon there's people in your life that you want to see here. People in your workplace, people in your neighborhood, people in your school who actually want to hear the good news of Jesus. God is moving amongst us a church. He is stirring up within us a boldness to share the gospel. He's building within us a confidence to proclaim His truth. And He's calling us to be a light to the world around us. And Jesus wants to tear these blockages down. He wants His perfect love to drive out all fear. He wants us to let go of judgment. He he, he wants us to be incredibly generous to people. He wants us to live for others, put others before ourselves. Whatever it is that is blocking Christ's light from shining In your world, Jesus wants to remove that blockage. He wants to shine His light in the darkness. He wants to use your good deeds to shine a light amongst those who you live, work, and laugh with so that they might bring glory to our Father in heaven. I've been reminded in this season of a prophetic word that God gave to us as a church back in the 1980s, 40 years ago. This word has been confirmed time and time again. And I think we're in another season where this word is just as significant as ever. This prophetic word was given to us as a church 40 years ago in the 1980s. This is what God said. I will do a great thing for my glory is upon you. You will be a light in this city, in this nation, and in the nations of the world. I will do a great thing for my glory is upon you. We've seen that over the last few weeks. I believe we're going to continue to see it as the Holy Spirit moves in power amongst us. And because of that, we will shine brightly as a light to our city, to our nation, and to our world. 
Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he calls us, he tells us that you are the light of the world. This has been a word for Jesus' followers for centuries and has been a word for our church. And I believe in this season, he's calling us again to shine his light in our world. I wanna ask you, how will you shine brightly for Jesus this week? In your workplace, in your street, in your family, how will you shine the light of Christ? What blockages do you need Jesus to overcome? Where do you need Him to shine in the shadows? I'm gonna pray for us in a moment and then I'm gonna lead us in an opportunity to respond and say, hey, yes, Jesus, I wanna be your light in this world. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, we thank you that you are the light of the world. We thank you that in you, Lord, there is hope, there is truth, there is freedom and there is grace, there is love and there is acceptance. Jesus, all those good things that light represents, Lord, you are the perfect representation of that. Jesus, I thank you that you have shone your light into our world. Jesus, I thank you for those of us who have put our trust in you as Lord and Saviour. Lord, thank you that you have brought light to our darkness. You've exposed the, the deeds of sin and you've given us your grace. You've filled us with your forgiveness. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to shine your light in our community. Lord, would you remove the blockages that prevent your light from shining through? Lord, would you help us to let go of fear? Would you help us to let go of selfishness? Would you help us to be more generous with our time and our resources? God, whatever it is that we might have put up as a blockage to your light, Lord, would you rip it out? Would you draw us closer? Would you help us to shine brightly? Hey, I just want to continue to pray and I just want to invite you to respond to Jesus this morning. Keep your eyes closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you, uh, you haven't yet accepted the light of Jesus into your life. Maybe you're joining us online and it just feels like life is permanently in darkness. I want to give you an opportunity right now to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Allow His light to rush in to your soul. Allow your sins to be forgiven by His grace. And allow Him to call you into a life of freedom. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour today, can I get you to raise your hand? If you're online and you want to make that decision today, can I just get you to uh, indicate that in the chat? We would love to pray with you. Thank you for that hand. I see that one. Thank you very much. If there's anybody else who'd like to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior today, now is a great opportunity. Just invite the light, the love, and the grace of Christ into your life. You know what else this morning? I'm sure there's people online as well. Well, if that's you tonight today, would you pray with me right now? Would you just uh, echo this prayer in your heart? we pray together. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your grace and your love. I thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins and giving me eternal life. Jesus, I accept that promise today. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to follow you. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Lord, would you come and shine brightly in my life. I confess my sins to you and I give you my life as my Lord and my Saviour. Today, I choose to follow you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we give the people who prayed that prayer a huge round of applause this morning? It's the best decision you'll ever make. I want to encourage you, if that's you, we've got some uh, a great uh, pack for you, a new believers pack 
Uh, one of our welcome team out the, uh, at the desk would love to get that into your hands. They'd love to help you take the next step on your journey of faith. But can I invite us all to stand this morning? If you're able, just uh, jump to your feet. We're going to close our service. And our band is going to lead us in a song that we've started singing over the last few weeks. It's a song that just declares Jesus over our families, declares Jesus over our neighbourhoods, it declares Jesus over our world. It's a song that cries out, Jesus, would you shine in the shadows? And as we sing this morning, I want to invite you to take a symbolic step and say, Jesus, I want you to shine your light in my world. Many of us have a light that we carry with us all the time. Not the Holy Spirit, a different light. A light that is often switched off, a light that's often hidden in our pocket or in our handbag, but it's a light that goes everywhere with us. It's our phone. And this morning, I want to invite you as we sing this song just to to take a a symbolic step, to, to respond by shining that light, the shining that light on your phone to declare that, yes, Jesus, I want to be the light in the world today. I want to reflect your light in the world today. So as we respond, as we sing, I want to invite you to take your phone out of your pocket, out of your handbag, turn the torch on. I know many of us seem to be able to do that on accident, but the way I do it on my phone, I push in that little icon that's the torch. And as we sing, I just want you to to shine that light. I want you to consider what is the barrier that you are asking God to remove so that light can shine brightly through your life? What is that blockage that you are asking God to take away so that you would shine brightly? Maybe it's something that you need to confess to God. Maybe it's something you need to ask His help to overcome. Perhaps it's a particular workplace relationship that you need to repair or uh, you may need to offer someone an apology. Perhaps you just need to be slower to speak and quick to listen. I want to encourage you as we sing this song, as we speak Jesus' name over our world, let's shine the light of Christ. If you're online, you can join in and run into a different room of the house, flick a light on, or turn your torch on on your phone as well. Let's just say that we are the light of the world as we follow Jesus, the light of the world. Come on, let's speak His name over our city, over our families, and over our world right now. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus.
today before we get off our chairs or leave our house or get out of our car we need to think about how we want to reach people with the light and the love of Jesus this week and so that's our challenge how are we going to do that is that going to be walking across the street to your neighbor and just sharing uh, life with them are you going to support them are you going to care for them in that, what they might be going through are you going to uh, Go in through your school, your workplace, your university, and just be a light to those who are struggling. Maybe you're going to reach out a hand and give people what they need. Maybe you're going to help somebody practically. Uh, all of that is shining a light of love for Jesus in this world. And I, I know that that's a witness. Whether or not you go out and you evangelize or disciple anybody, being kind is a witness. And that often brings the questions of, hey, 
what's so different about you? Why do you have joy? Why do you have hope in this moment? And that leads people to Jesus. And I want to encourage you, do that however you can do that this week. But decide right now how you're going to do that. Take a step of action. Take a step of faith today. Hey, and I just had this word on my heart this morning as we've been gathering across our services uh, to encourage you to take that step of baptism. Maybe you've been a Christian for a little bit of time. Maybe you became a Christian today and you haven't yet taken that step of baptism. In the waters of baptism, say, hey, I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I want to make this public testimony and be baptized in His name. Uh, I just believe that that's a word for somebody today, an encouragement. Maybe you felt like God has been prompting you today or throughout the weeks and months in the past. Today is an encouragement for you that God is still chasing you to do that. And so I want to encourage you, you can scan the QR code or click the link in the chat. Or if you just want to let me know it online at gatewaybaptist.com.au, we will help you make that step wherever you are in the world. Uh, we will help you make that step of baptism. We would love to do that journey with you. And one of the best things that you can do to shine a light over these next few weeks as we enter into Easter is by sharing an invitation. And you might be able to sit with somebody in their lounge room and, uh, and join on Easter. Uh, but you can download an invitation, uh, again, by the QR code that's on your screen now or, or in the chat, uh, or you can head to our website, gatewaybaptist.com.au, and you'll find it there also. But you can, you can actually download a little invite that you can send to all your friends, all your families, uh, and I'd just personalize that if I were you and just say, hey, I'm going to do church on Easter, and I'd like for you to join me. I'd like for you to hear the message of Jesus over this Easter. There are a lot of people searching for hope and healing in this season. A lot of people looking for something to take the burden of life off their shoulders. And we know that Jesus takes that burden. He says in His Word, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's not going to lay things on people, but He's going to remove things from people. And so I encourage you, share that message of Easter. Get it into the hands of the people that you live, work and love with, uh, laugh with, the people that you do life with. Uh, please do that uh, and invite them to come and join us in a couple of weeks' time. I hope today's been an incredible blessing to you. It's been an incredible blessing to me, and I've loved uh, sharing at that time with you, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye-bye. We'd love to know what God has been saying to you as you've prayed, come Holy Spirit. You can connect with us at gatewaybaptist.com.au and let us know how Jesus is changing your life.